sweetheart! Did you get the champagne? Freeze! I tried to make it look like an accident. I tried to give you some dignity, but oh no, not you. What are you saying? I'm saying I want you dead and I want your money. But, but, don't shrill off me. <laughs> Is that a no? Do <laughs> oh, I love you? Look at yourself. You're a nightmare. You're the missing link. You shouldn't be married. You should be studied. You're a big, dumb, weird thing. No woman in her right mind could love you. Thing! Back to the show. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. It's our very special Thanksgiving episode. It's coming out the night of Thanksgiving. How much, how fun is that? Yeah. I love it. Uh, everybody out there listening, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Yeah. We have a very special Thanksgiving movie for you. Yes, indeed. To go along with your pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie was really fun. The little Thanksgiving break in there is interesting. Yeah. It ages well, but it's fun. We'll get into it. <laughs> indeed, indeed, we'll get into it. Scott, talk about what we just watched. We watched Adam's Family Values from 1993, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, with our friend yes, Andy. Andy Orr. Orr, right? Orr. Orr. You don't have to complicate Ur. it. It's just the one syllable. Good to have you on. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome long long time listener. Uh, first time uh, contributor. contributor. <laughs> wow. Well, welcome to the show, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. This is a great movie. So much to unpack. Yeah. So I, much. I, I it's, been on the, it's been on the long list for a while, and I decided to make a very special holiday episode because there is a brief Thanksgiving scene in the movie. The so. canon of Thanksgiving movies is rather limited. Yes. And it's usually families arguing over a dinner table. Which... Ugh. It's not nearly as fun as this. Yeah, truly. It's like this, Pieces of April, which I watch every year. Oh. Home for the Holidays, directed by Jodie Foster, or oh, like boy. The Ice Storm. Oh, boy. The Ice Storm, yeah, that's... Oh. That one feels good. That's, that's a, a pretty queer movie, movie though, like, but yeah. We could potentially do The Ice Storm. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. I love The Ice Storm, though. <laughs> I've been meaning to revisit it. But yes, Adam's Family Values, yes. written by that big old queen, Paul Rudnick. Are, have you got, are you guys familiar with Paul Rudnick at all? I mean, I'm sure I am. So Paul Rudnick, I remember when I used to subscribe to Premier Magazine, he had a monthly review column, which he wrote as a Jewish middle-aged woman. <laughs> it was Libby uh, Haxler Wexler, I think. I think I'm getting that wrong, but yeah. So I'm I'm familiar with Paul Rudnick, and then he's also he also kind of has these random screenwriting credits. He wrote, uh, "Isn't she great?" The Jacqueline Susan biopic movie with Bette Midler, if you remember that. Oh wow, I remember that Jacqueline Suzanne, mm-hmm. uh, the authoress of Valley of the Dolls. Yes, 
Yes, indeed. And Adam's Family Values. After the wild success of the first movie in 1991, the sequel was fast-tracked at Paramount with a follow-up written by Rudnick. The Family Values in the film is a tongue-in-cheek reference by the writer to an infamous 1992 speech, Reflections on Urban America, made by then-Vice President candidate Dan Quayle. In the speech, Quayle had blamed the 1992 L.A. riots on a breakdown of traditional family values which uh, which caused major controversy afterwards did you guys know that does he specifically name drop the adams family or no he just i i think it's just sort of the um kind of it talking about american values family values values that i think he was sort of i mean politics at at the time they were known especially like right-wing politicians george bush would take jabs at like the simpsons and stuff it's like all right. Well, and it's <laughs> ironic because the Adams family, although you know kooky and ooky, are incredibly loving. Oh my goodness, they're like the most nuclear family ever. Like they, yeah, and they're very know, accepting of Debbie from the very beginning too. Yeah, yeah, they welcome her with open arms, but even though she's you know they see her as being quite the oddball. Yes, and um, yeah, there's just this strange juxtaposition of the fact that. The movie gets into it too with like the the theme of monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the real villain, the awful monster of the movie is Debbie. Yes, but the people who have these like you know eccentricities, right, are, are loving monsters, right? I mean, the Adams family. When you think about it, like you said, it's like we have two parents who are married to each other and madly in madly love. Madly in mm-hmm. love. Okay, they're like an old married couple that like wakes up every morning and and just falls right back in love. Exactly, you know? exactly. Caramia. It's a multi generational household. Yeah, Mama lives there. Who's and, probably like two hundred years. And old. is Mama <laughs> and Mama's. Uh, Morticia's mother, right? So there's some uh, differences between the television show from the 60s and the movies, um, which is very interesting because the uh, the base of this property is this uh, – New- was it a New Yorker? Single comic panel strip. comic yeah. strip, right? So it's a single panel comic strip that they developed into a television show in the 60s, and and that show, I think they just kind of made up a lot of stuff because the comic sure. strip didn't have a lot of groundwork as to who these people were. It didn't was really just have kind the of a, story built in. Right, right. So they made up a lot of things that eventually got brought over to the movie series. Things like Morticia cutting the roses okay. is directly from the television show. Um, Gomez like standing on his head and, and fencing and... You know, a lot of these different ideas and concepts are directly from the show as opposed to the comic strip. Um, In the show, Mama was definitely Morticia's mother and Fester was uncle was Morticia's uncle. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Ah. But in this property, um, I think she's still Morticia's mother. Because she's the only one that refers to her as Mama. Because they uh, referred... Because Gomez and Fester talk about their mom, yes. and she's and she's the centerfold. Yes. She's and centerfold. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. they're brothers. So, mm-hmm. and it's like I feel like if that was their mother, they would, we'd get. In the one. first movie from 1991, set up that Fester was his long lost brother. That's yes. reintroduced to the family. Yes, I I, I rewatched <laughs> the first one. I'm not really a fan. Yeah, I like, I like the first it's one. It's a good setup, but this movie is definitely a lot more like it. 
the prop it finds its legs. These characters really find out who they are. It's a lot more fun. It's a little bit more like um like the property's been going for a while. That it was a decent origin like setup movie, but I feel like this movie's a lot more fun. And it does that Brady Bunch sequel thing that they sort of have little episodes of the Adams family yes. in this movie. Yes. That yeah. you could see like, oh, this is like an episode of the show. Just little sections of it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I uh, I do like the you know the tie-in with cousin It and, and you know his new wife from from the last movie that she comes back and they've got their their little baby what 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 <laughs> that's his name who's so adorable what? I want a what <laughs> he's so teeny his little baby coffin <laughs> that he's in yeah the little the little stroller things like a coffin I love that oh the details the production yes. design but Gosh. what I love about about the Adams family, you know, we talk Scott and I talk about this a lot with you know with the Munsters, which we also are huge oh, fans. Yeah, let's we get love into the Munsters yeah. yeah. because I know a lot of people are like, oh, Munsters are Adams family, and I feel like I don't. It's a want false to choice. Choose. Yeah, As Kamala Harris would say it's a false it's a choice. False choice, exactly. But <laughs> the thing about the Munsters, it, that was a Universal produced uh, production, you know, Universal TV, and so they were able to use these images of you know. The Frankenstein monster, you know, Grandpa, uh, Grandpa and Lily. Grandpa often refers to their last name being Dracula. Yeah, you know, he often tells Lily like, "You're a Dracula," not meaning that there are vampires, but that they are like descendants of Count Dracula, or maybe he is Count Dracula. And Herman is clearly Frankenstein's mo- or a Frankenstein type monster because I think Grandpa actually makes Herman. But uh, and and Eddie is like a werewolf in the style of you know. I was a teenage werewolf, that kind of a thing. But in the Adams family, they're just weirdos, right? Yeah, they're not undead. They're not like yeah, be, from beyond the grave. They're just they're just freaky deaky people, and they're all just super rich. Like yeah. the Adams oh, family yeah. is almost a comment on how <laughs> oblivious the top three percent is. That yeah. they just sort of live in their own universe. I'm fa- Do we know the source of their wealth? No. I mean, when Debbie's looking at like the and, and tell me why that's just always the trope is like a serial killer is mm-hmm. like, well, I've got here are all the newspaper clippings. Exactly, on this person you always <laughs> see that in movies. Yeah, they've just been. But keeping. like it says, uh, you know, it, there's one with Fester on the cover of Forbes, Forbes and it says yeah. like, like twenty richest people in America. Well, like, in the first, how? well, in the first movie, they go down to the vault and there's like Spanish doubloon, so it's yes. like ancient family. Money. This like Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. scene where they're just like on this little canoe down there, like going through these. Canals. So there's like a vault with yeah. just millions below the Adamses. Yes. Mm-hmm. But where did it come from? Where did they amass all of this? The old land. Pirate pirate gold. The old country. Whatever the old country is. And also Gomez strikes me as someone that would have invested in the 80s stock market with all of that. <laughs> so he sure. only got even richer. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he had, you know, in the first movie, he's got that accountant. Yeah. Yeah. Sully. But what I love about the Adams family, especially in these two movies, is just how innocent they are. Yeah. They're not doing anything for personal gain. They're not using this money nefariously. There's They're not never any malice the town or, yeah. or, you know, do anything yeah. horrible. They just want to live their little freaky lives in their fabulous, you know, mansion wearing their like Victorian swimsuits and, you know. They're just, very comfortable being themselves. Yeah. And good uh, on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, uh, what I was thinking of when you were talking about Debbie being the real monster in this movie, that kind of um, aligns a little bit with the Munsters and how uh, 
Marilyn, yeah. their niece, is like this normal looking, you know, hot blonde girl. And they're, and they're so like, awful to her. They oh, feel so poor, bad for her. Poor, she'll never find a date. Yeah. You know, um, and they to them, she's like the freaky kind of outcast person. And to the Adamses, you know, they, they don't want anything to do with being normal and, and blonde and, you know, just this like anglo-saxon american ideal right they're just like they reject that it really becomes apparent when they first get to camp chippewa yes. because those are uh, they talk about it being exclusive and what mm-hmm. is it like twenty thousand a year we hear that at some point yes very privileged the privileged kids get to go there and right? so they are of that ilk mm-hmm. but you would never know it no <laughs> well i mean they do have they've got you know live-in help they have that nice Lurch. town car <laughs> who, who may not very well be alive this but. is true it's true. Yeah, their car, this town car they have, this very like Norma Desmond style, like kind of an old timey limousine deal. So yeah, they are well off and and uh, and wealthy. But um, yeah, I I think it's what is so endearing about them at, for us the viewer is that they're just like they reject social norms, they reject like you know what the trappings of what would come with all this wealth, and they just. Are like a nice family that you want to hang out with, even though they're like creepy and spooky and ooky. So the only one that that. seems to comment on just all of the idiots that she's surrounded is Wednesday. Yeah. Because she's a child. Yeah. And in the first movie, Wednesday is a great character. We Mm -hmm. love Wednesday. She's a breakout character, but she's still a very small child. Like Christina Ricci looks like a little child in that movie. She's like seven or something? Yeah. She would have made it back to back with mermaids. Yeah. And so by the time this movie comes around, she's like, you know, preteen, you know, maybe 12 or 13 years old. So these like quips coming out of her seem a little bit more, you know, on par with her age. And they really saw what a standout she was in the first movie that they kind of elevated her character here. And I think in this movie, they, these characters really come into their own as far as like, um, they're like character type or whatever. And Wednesday has a lot of really good lines in this. Um, but yeah, I think they're a little bit more developed and her, the kids being a little bit older kind of lends that to these Mm -hmm. characters being a little bit more, more fun. Um, Because, like I said, in the first movie, it's cute. She's a little kid and it's cute. But in this one, it's like, all right, now she's getting to be a teenager. So these lines really make a lot more sense. And her interactions with Pugsley, where she's constantly trying to kill him. But then when the other ba- the new baby comes along, now they're trying to kill the new baby. And it's that thing that siblings have where they hate each other. But yep. then eventually when an outside force comes in, then they kind of band together. Well, one of the children has to die. <laughs> and so they've got to partner up. Yes. Some of my favorite – one of my favorite line readings of this movie is when uh, – what do they say? Like just because like a new baby has come, now one of the other – Children have to die. Has to yeah, die. they have a family meeting about and it. And they had that family meeting, and then they have that shot over at Carol Kane yes. as Mama, and she's like, well, that's not true. And then she sighs. <sighs> not anymore. <laughs> like, those like those were the good old days when you could just... While she's knitting the, when you like, could just, octopus-like... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah those were the good old days that you could just get rid of a sibling. Yes. <laughs> Carol Kane... Underutilized. The, yes. The addition of Carol Kane in this movie as Mama is... Amazing, but you're right. She is underutilized. Um, Recast, too. Yeah, that's the addition mm-hmm. for this important thing, I read about um, all the the troubles she had with makeup. It was like some five-hour makeup oh, job every day. And I'm like, and you get what? Like, like six lines? Come on. <laughs> and she's, I believe, younger than Angelica Houston, too. Interesting. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. That's funny. 
Yeah. I mean, she works as grandmama, but yeah, she wasn't an old lady at the time. No. Like when they shot this, she was, you know, maybe in her early 50s of that. But um, it is genius casting. She's so good. That that crazy Carol Kane voice and delivery is really good. But yeah, you do wish there was more. Um, also, ingenious casting. Angelica Houston will always be my Morticia. <laughs> I know that people love Carolyn Jones from the TV show. And Charlie Theron just did the voice of Morticia. But Angelica sort of just embodies Morticia. Just how she walks, how she like positions her body, that mm-hmm. fucking spotlight on her eyes. Oh my god. So th- okay, so I, I read this article and she was uh, apparently she demands a key light. Demands a key light. It's in her contracts for every project she does. I uh, mean, she knows how she wants to be lit. <laughs> she has this really funny like old Hollywood way of approaching yeah. things. She's like, "Well, you know, we were she's like, we're well, making a picture." Well, she's and she's we, a part of the Houstons. Truly, you yep. know, it's a dynasty, but yeah. she, you know, we were making a picture and we were in the middle of photography. And, uh, yeah, she just uses all these funny colloquialisms. But she was saying that um, she was like, actors must be well lit. (laughs) And she was like, you know, up until Pritzi's Honor, I I had never been well lit before. And she's like, I think that's why I won the Oscar. (laughs) Because the lighting. Because the lighting. That did it. Um, But it all just works well. And she talked about the – I mean, her makeup job was a a pain in the ass. She had the eye tabs. She had – Oh, did they yank her face? They did. Okay. She had this wig. Like uh, apparently the shot in the beginning where she's getting wheeled into the hospital to Mm -hmm. keep that aesthetic of her like totally uh, unfazed by by childbirth. They actually had her – they shot it with her standing up. Sure. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Because, you know, and they said in the first one they had to cut quite a bit anytime she moved and her hair parted. So she had to get really uh, good, and they wanted this like ethereal yeah. feeling of her just like skating across. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she stopped. Uh, she would only move from the waist up. Sure. And she did this like she like kept her hands like in a prayer symbol. Yeah. Um, and it just adds to this like elegance of this woman, and it makes yes. the character. But that attention to detail is what Angelica Houston really brings to Morticia. Yes, definitely. Um, you're right. It's probably with that key light on her eyes, it is probably hard for her to move around. Like her blocking is probably pretty static just because to get that light. If and, it's there, when she moves, it's gone. And know? also the dresses that she wears by Greek costume designer Theoni V. Aldridge. I was looking up the costume designer and she's led a very interesting life. She won the Oscar for... Uh, the Great Gatsby, and she just has this crazy resume of movie costumes. She did like Moonstruck can't, and Can't Stop the Music. I thought that was funny, but uh, and even just that dress must have been hard to move in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's obviously in a corset, and I I noticed that in a couple scenes, uh, like it's an incredibly intricate, like beaded kind of getup. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not a simple black Elvira dress. No, yeah, no, no. no. And there's I, a lot of detail in it. And she's sewn into it. God, that woman yeah. used to be real thin. <laughs> yeah. And she's got like these like red nails. Yeah. Which I love. That it's not a black nail to red nail, you know? No, and Where, Wednesday has them too. Yes. I noticed that. In I this. noticed that. And it was so sweet. I was like, yeah. oh, chip off the old block. There's a, there's a close-up of her hands when they're yes. trying to break out of the of the, of the the camp. Yeah. Um, I did like in the first movie at uh, – there's like a formal event at the end. There's a party. is. What's going on at the end of the first movie? I mean, the end of the first movie is Halloween. And I mean, not the very end of the first They're movie. They're having a going away party for Fester. That's it. They have Wednesday in a, in a small version of Morticia's dress. Yeah. And I think she's wearing a similar version in um, Fester and Debbie's wedding. 
mm-hmm. Wednesday. I think it's pretty much just a scaled down version of Morticia's dress, which I love. I think that's, that's very cute. Um, yeah. The white, like kabuki face with red lips and like her eyeshadow, eyeshadow. all the way mm-hmm. up to her brows. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and Angelica Houston's face is very interesting because, you know, I don't know. She can do a lot of subtle acting with it. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's not the most like, like, uh, you know, quote, pretty subtle feminine face. The little angular. It's a little masculine, but that's what makes it interesting. She has larger features. Mm -hmm. She just does. It's not that she's unattractive, but it's like she doesn't look like Jenny Garth, you know? But it (laughs) works for Morticia, right? It works for this spooky character and the the exaggerated makeup and all that stuff. I remember reading in her memoir, I can't remember the, the title of her memoir, but she talks about being obsessed with Carolyn Jones. In That's the Adams family when she was a little girl. That's interesting. Well, the mm-hmm. raven hair. And, yep. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, you know, cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Aesthetically. I yes. think um, I what I love, uh, and I, you know, I, I was watching this twice and really kind of focusing on the performances. And so much happens with her eyes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the key light is on her eyes and her eye makeup is intense. But she, uh, some of my favorite things are just the side eyes she gives, like to Gomez anytime. Yeah. Um, she's kind of validating something. I think my one of my favorite line readings is when they go to um, try and rescue Fester from their house, and Debbie won't let them see him. Yeah, and she's uh, going on about. Um, oh, hang on, I've got it written down because it it was just gold. Um, well, when she says uh, you've placed Fester on, uh, under uh, some sort of strange sexual spell. I respect that. Um, <laughs> she has all these great lines and, and she's listing off all the things that she's done to him. And then she says, um, you know, but like they could forgive anything. She's like, but Debbie, pastels. You have enslaved him. You have placed Fester under some strange sexual spell. I respect that. But please, may we see him? Don't even think about it. You have gone too far. You have married Fester. You have destroyed his spirit. You have taken him from us. All that I could forgive. But, Debbie... What? Pastels? Get out of my house! (laughs) And she's got the... And it's so funny because you know, like, the... the look of intensity that she yeah. has and like she was like this is going to be a sick burn yeah <laughs> yeah it's interesting how in this movie versus the first one so much of her acting is is very still mm-hmm. there is not a lot of like movement and walking around and i feel like unfortunately she's kind of underused as well i feel like she did a lot more in the first movie Right? I think yeah. there was just so much attention to Joan Cusack's character that yeah. maybe there just wasn't room in the script for it. This is really Debbie and Wednesday's movie. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Which is fine. Yeah. But yeah. what we get of uh, Gomez and Morticia is good. Yeah. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of gold in there. So I was reading about when they were making this movie mm-hmm. that um, Angelica Houston said it was very clear that. Uh, Raul Julia's health was deteriorate was oh. deteriorating. Sure, that she really noticed it during production that he had trouble eating and was losing a lot of weight, and he died within a year. The film was released. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was the last movie that was released when he was alive because Mortal Kombat came out after, but he had already uh, he already died. Mortal Kombat? You mean Street Fighter? 
And I believe that oh, he was Street like Fighter, yeah. literally dying as they're making Street Fighter. Oh, yeah, you can and you can see it in the movie. Yeah, he's very thin in Street Fighter. It's that, but I give I give the man tremendous credit for uh, you know I mean he got I guess he was diagnosed with stomach cancer during mm-hmm. the production of the first one, and still so for you know and then he had a stroke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he went, I think it was like early 94 that he had a stroke. Yeah. Like, guy went through a lot. Now, he has tremendous gay street cred. He's a theater guy, but... No, Kiss, Kiss of the Spider, Spider Woman, Woman, right? Yeah. Kiss yeah. of the Spider mm-hmm. Woman, yeah. I, didn't he originate that on stage? I believe too? so. Mm-hmm. And then he also originated Nine on oh, stage as well. I didn't know that. Neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, you know, who went on to portray Gomez in Adam's Family on stage? Nathan Lane. Is that... Queen. Oh, okay. Who's so also in this movie? So, there's so many damn theater people. So many fag. We got yeah. Cynthia Nixon. Yes, popping up. <laughs> Cynthia yeah. Nixon also playing a version, like a grown-up version of her character from Little Darlings. Because isn't this the character that she plays in Little Darlings? I don't know. Never seen. It's like that. a very like hippie child at okay. summer camp. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, we've got her. We've got um, Nathan Lane. We've got Peter McNichol. We've got Christine Baranski. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Probably um, one Tony of the Sol- Shaloub is. Yeah, her. yeah. Did you catch that? He's one of the yeah. sailors. Yeah. yeah, I love Christine Baranski's line delivery. <laughs> Don't we hate that? <laughs> Don't we wish? Don't they would we die? hate that? <laughs> Don't we wish they would die? No, we don't. No, we no, don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> this was probably one of the first big movies that I remember Christine Baranski's performance sticking with me when I was a child, too. Yeah. Yeah. She's um, a great character actress. I think she I think she was on Sybil at this time. Well, yeah, she was on Sybil. Um she's the she's the the Patsy character on, on Sybil, which is great. Uh yeah, the there's a lot going on at the camp. We have the um the actress returning from Adam's family, Mercedes McNabb. Mm-hmm. As, She's the uh, Girl Scout. The, and is it the same character? I'm going to say yes. It could work in the universe I, of this movie that it's no, the same I, character. I checked, and apparently it was not. <laughs> okay. They were very clear on that. Like she just came in and read? Okay. Yeah, they oh, made that's, her audition, okay. and I'm like, all right, we just think it's the same character. But. Yeah, if you're going to have I this think girl who's in there. But isn't she just like the perfect foil <laughs> for, for Wednesday? Yes. It's like just every... the. Total. I mean, again, talking about the class element too. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is if the Adams like really indulged in just how rich they are. Yes, I mean it, when we see her and the way that they portray the other campers, mm-hmm. all the girls are blonde, all the boys are blonde. It's very Aryan. <laughs> these Aryan, <laughs> yeah, children. very Hitler yeah. youth. It's got a and you know, but all the girls are very bubbly. They all scream when he sees when they see each other for the first time, and the boys are very like you know wearing Brett Kavanaugh here, bro, yeah. <laughs> boat shoes and all yeah. that sweaters are around their shoulders and all of this. And um, you know, Wednesday and Pugsley are not that, and neither is uh, David Crumholtz. Yeah. What's his character's name? Uh, Joel Glicker. Yeah, Joel. I would imagine that there would be a decent amount of kids who go to this camp that don't really fit in, but I mean, historically, there kind of were summer camps that were pretty much just Jewish kids. Yeah, so they probably didn't go to this. And one. they do, they do, you know, walk <laughs> through the outcasts when they're doing the casting, and they've yeah. got like the 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 kid who's in the wheelchair, and they have, and I I, yeah. I can't with it. Is it Jamel? Jamel? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> What was the girl's name? Consuela. Consuela. <laughs> oh. It's so mean. Yeah. The poor outcast. Those kids look so sad. 
<laughs> they when they get their revenge, it is it is uh, well earned. Yes, yes, indeed. But yeah, the, this little this little girl, this actress Mercedes McNabb, she's she's really funny. Yeah. in this role, she was also a regular on Buffy. Oh, was no she? Shit. <laughs> yeah, she was um, on kind of the high school to college years on Buffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, her character's name is Harmony, and she is in a very um, sitcom relationship with Spike that she's trying to like. Trying to make, change him. make a home life for this vampire, and it's not working. And she was always very, very funny in that show. She a human, or was she a vampire? She was a human, and then she gets turned into a vampire. Ah, oh, spoiler alert! She's one of the popular girls that <laughs> goes on to the dark side. Okay, so she played this popular girl character. Mm-hmm. She did that very well. That's her lane. Yeah, I'm the victim. All your life. <laughs> All your life. <laughs> uh, yeah, she has. She just sets up Wednesday for all these really good like comebacks. Gosh, and just the <laughs> like the jabs. I I wish I had that level of sass when I right? was when I was Wednesday's age. Yeah, is that your bathing suit? Is that your overcoat? <laughs> Why are you dressed like somebody died? <laughs> wait, I don't know. I just wait. Oh, it's, I know it's so lovely. And um, I hang on. I, I wrote down the list of the girls, uh, and I was like, if ever there was a Regina George, uh, Lily, Jennifer, Tiffany, Missy, Michelle, Melissa. <laughs> I uh, I really love the the scary stories that they're telling. Oh yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that just that delivery when when she's telling her scary story and it ends and all the girls are just ah! <laughs> <laughs> just politely screaming. But then Wednesday tells them the story about their old noses growing back. <laughs> I like to think that Paul Rudnick, when he wrote that scene, was thinking of True Beverly Hills and sure and Phyllis's ghost story. Sure. About the perm. Yeah. It, that tracks. It lines up. <laughs> but, you know, the reason that they go to this uh, summer camp is because Debbie, Debbie, you know, I mean, we need to talk a little bit about, in oh, depth yes. about Debbie and the machinations. And Joan Cusack in this portrayal. Just chewing the scenery. <laughs> so I feel like just all gay men just have this kinship with Joan Cusack's character in this movie. Whenever you hear, like, homosexuals always talk about, like, snubbed Oscars, this this is oh, always this. at the top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't disagree. I think she's pretty funny in it. Oh, and, and I just, I, I love performances where you can tell the person is having the time of their life and it doesn't detract from what they're yeah. giving you either. Yeah. Like, they're still taking it seriously. Um, I mean, it's fun. The hair, yes, uh, the the pastels, the costumes. She's got this strange, like I don't know, Carol Lombard kind of. You know, it's interesting because this character is set up that you know she's this black widow, kind of a serial killer. She marries wealthy men and murders them on their wedding. I night, love all of her aliases. Makes it makes it look like it's an accident and gets away with their money. But then the money runs out, and she's left with like three dollars. Literally, yeah. Cents, which Just I sitting love. there on the couch, <laughs> three seventy-five, sitting like lying in her bed with a box of chocolates, watching TV. But what I love is that any other movie they would get like maybe like a knockout actress, and not to not to say anything about. Joan Cusack's looks, but when you're just like, who are the hottest babes in Hollywood? Ask a bunch of straight guys. I don't know. Joan Cusack's getting on the top of anybody's list. It's the best that Joan Cusack's ever looked, in my opinion, too. But it's like they hire this woman, and it's like they brought her in because 
she can deliver. She, she can, she can deliver you know, the comedy. This performance, you know, and she looks great. Like Truly. she looks great. Their boobs are pushed up. You know, the the this blonde wig, all of that. It ends up working in the end, but it's so funny because I think that you know this part, like a, a, maybe a lesser director would have said, like, "Well, we're going to try out so and so and see how funny she could be." But yeah. they were just like, "No, we want." We want to bring in Joan because we know she can knock it out of the park. Yeah, but I mean, they were going for satire and they get it. I mean, I love the initial conversation where um, they're interviewing her and she's just shown up and and they don't understand – like there, there's a misunderstanding between the two of them that they see as kinship. They're like, oh, she's a freak like us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when they – when she says, I'm not a serial killer, they're like, of course not. You're too young. Too young. Yeah. Let's take a listen. Residence? Oh, it's old. And big. Mm-hmm. Hi! Hi, I'm Debbie Jelinski from the agency. The agency? But they claim no one else was available. They suggested a Doberman. Surprise! I've been out of town. Are you the mom? I am Mrs. Adams. I love your dress. It's so tight. Thank you. Gomez. I believe we may have a new nanny. Mr. Linsky. Deb. Isn't he a lady killer? Acquitted. I can show you all my references so you know I'm not a homicidal maniac. <laughs> of course you're not. You're too young. I love I love Gomez's delivery. Acquitted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's so proud of that. <laughs> there are so many la- like I, as I was watching it in my apartment. Um, I'm sure my neighbors thought that I was crazy because there would just be these ha, ah! <laughs> and they, and they would come every couple you know every couple seconds of ha ah, ah. That's a good thing about this movie too. We watched it last night and I was like, these jokes are funny. Like yeah. it's, it's it's just it's still funny. Delivers the jokes. Yeah, and then and we were we were laughing too at, at a lot of it. Um, yeah, Debbie's. Debbie's performance is great. Um, it's it's Joan Cusack. She's amazing. Um, Having a real resurgence in 2020, you know, because there's oh, that right. there's that. Uh, I've seen it as a meme quite a bit, but that scene of her in the car right before C- laughing, the, yeah, yeah. Where she the cry <laughs> into the laugh. I and, saw that this morning. Yeah, was it, it like when Donald Trump Jr. just announced that he had. He has the it's, coronavirus. Oh, I saw that. I saw uh, you know, when um, Melania realizes again. she yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, yeah, Melania hearing that Donald lost in Georgia twice. <laughs> yeah, it, you're right. I just saw that this morning. That's so funny. I remember seeing it when Trump first got the corona. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Uncle Fester. Yeah. And Christopher Lloyd's crazy performance. Christopher Lloyd just <laughs> acting with his entire body in this movie, too. Okay, so it's really interesting to watch... Uh, I mean, he's not a big guy. No, no, he is not a big guy, and you would never know it watching it because I I really thought I was like, did he put on like a lot of weight for this? Or (laughs) they just put like shoulder pads. So it's it's interesting because again, we have this television show from the '60s. It was a sitcom. It's a little corny. It's a little hokey. It's fun though. You Mm. know, it's classic. It's iconic. But before that, this was a comic strip. So. The actors in the 60s television show kind of created these characters based on what they thought was on the page, right? Uh, Jackie Coogan comes in, plays Uncle Fester. He was a child actor 
in the silent era, like one of the first <laughs> child actors in like movie history, worked with Charlie Chaplin. This man is old. Okay, he's in his like fifties. Like when the show was first on in the sixties, he's an old man. I mean, he wasn't that old, but you know what I'm saying. It's 2020. He did. Uh, And he came from vaudeville, you know, so his performance as Uncle Fester was very big, over the top, but very specific. Had a very high voice, you know, and just kind of jokey. He was a a little uh, uh, Three Stooges, Mm -hmm. you know, if you will. Um, And these characters, when they came in to do the first movie, I'm sure there was kind of an idea of we're not going to study the television show because it's not what we're doing. We're doing Mm -hmm. our own Adams Family. Yeah. So Christopher Lloyd just kind of had anything. to Like he could have just come up with any way to portray this character. And the voice that he came up with is so insane yeah it's creepy (laughs) his face his faces like his eye like he's got the crazy dark circles under his eyes but he just has these huge i i mean in the first movie he's like got amnesia so he's almost playing two characters really but the character that ultimately is uncle fester is just this like wide-eyed like uh almost like a puppy right there is something really endearing about him and uh that was something I, I picked up when they're talking about, um, oh, gosh, when she is so mad that he didn't die in the bathtub. <laughs> and you're <Muffin>. like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, Fester is like the ideal husband. He's yeah. so devoted. Yeah. He is so kind. He is so sweet. He'll, he's game for whatever. Yeah. How dare she manipulate him? <laughs> And it's just sort of the tragic downfall of Debbie is that Debbie is a weirdo just like all of them, but she yeah. just doesn't really, like, know it. She Yeah, she almost could have mm-hmm. just stayed married to Fester, had, like, a relationship, had all the money. She could have gotten everything that she wanted. Yeah, if the she money, didn't have to off him. All that stuff, and just kept Fester around, and he would have just loved her and been devoted to her just because she was a woman that showed him some kind of attention. If she just embraced her inner weirdo, yeah. Yeah. she would have fit right in with the Adamses. Yeah. Because she already does. Yeah. And I don't think you necessarily have to look like a ghoul to be part of their crew. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, while they do have a lot of, like, weirdos and, like, Siamese twins and, like, <laughs> hunchbacks and cousin it's and all that, some of the people are, you know, it's this very, like, haunted mansion, Victorian kind of aesthetic. But she could fit right into that. Yeah, yeah, anyone is allowed. Uh, cousin, its wife. What's what's? Oh yeah, name? cousin, its wife is just like a normal looking person. Yeah, she just kind of has a big Edie McClurg hairdo, but other than that, she looks normal. So I love all of the high fashion models that they got to be uh, Adamses. Whenever they like for for this movie, they had the wedding. In the previous movie, they had mm-hmm. they had the big going away party. Mm-hmm. But the Adamses like have some very high yeah. fashion models yeah in that family tree yeah dementia very editorial mm-hmm. dementia <laughs> dementia with that the serving bald head like that yeah i love the um love the that. very like amadeus looking motherfuckers <laughs> sitting front row at the wedding yeah very like uh fop yeah like french fop. um i like the uh the restaurant that they go to yeah yeah it's like a restaurant for weirdos it's like in a cave i like that the band is um is behind the bars 
Yeah, all the all female like band with like a an accordion. But yeah, this is just a place that it's not just full of Adamses, it's full of other people, but they're all like weirdos. There's a whole subculture so, of weirdos. So yeah, they have to have found some kind of like some kind of social circle, which is fun. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that's why this movie rings so true for you know, it's queerisms. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that we all sort of feel like outsiders <laughs> and they're saying like, yeah, and you just find your own You find yeah. your own community. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, what else? So should we go back to the camp? Oh, there's so much there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about Fester and Debbie's um, relationship. Before we go to the camp, you mentioned this one scene in particular. I just want to play this clip because it's, it's really funny between Debbie and Fester. So let's just listen to this and then we'll go to camp. to a successful Hawaiian honeymoon is romantic music. I ordered this cassette from Time Life. 5,000 of the world's most romantic melodies. It's superb. What do you call this? Number 438. So, you like romantic living? I do. So I love romantic living. Oh, Fester, how much do you love me? With all my soul. Would you do anything for me? Anything. Would you die for me? Yes. Promise. You can definitely uh, tell why drag queens love to lip sync to Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> that it's just like perfect for drag. Yeah. And I believe in the Peaches Christ um, uh, parody of this in the Castro, it was Jinx Monsoon. Okay. And that works. Sharon Needles, I think, was Morticia. That works. Mm. I like that. I, I would pay. I would pay real money to see that. Mm-hmm. Of all the elements, Debbie is campus shit. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of camp yeah. in this movie, and she's like right at the top. Yep. of the list. I'll see if I can find any of Jinx doing a lip sync to Debbie. Yeah, there's probably some post videos it. of it. Um, Christopher Lloyd in that scene, those like screams in that bathtub. It's like it's giving me like Judge Doom. It's giving me yeah. Doc Brown. Like all these roles that I mean, I don't know. I think of Christopher Lloyd as like a good, like well respected actor, but every now and then I forget like he's played some freaking nuts in yeah. movies. And so that's kind of why he does this character so well. A lot of screaming is Fester. It's like howling at the moon. Yes. At the beginning his like character world. introduction howling at that Millet's yeah. uh, that like George Millet's George yeah. Millet's moon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you almost want there to be a face painted into that into that moon. <laughs> um we need to talk about what is it, the Harmony Hut? In the- <laughs> I love me some yes. Harmony Hut. I feel like um I would have probably just done bad shit on purpose so I could just go hang out in the Harmony Hut. Conversion therapy. <laughs> oh. This is the first thing I thought. It's yeah. conversion, conversion therapy. therapy. This place is exclusionary, <laughs> yeah. and you gotta get in line. You gotta you gotta watch the Brady Bunch. You gotta watch Sound, Sound of Music. Music. Mike Pence is gonna make you go to the Harmony Hut, but you're secretly gonna love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the thing. It's like if they were gay kids, they wouldn't mind hanging out watching Annie. 
on a loop. Yeah, they're like, that's <laughs> fine by me. Oh, God. And her little smile. That is Ugh. just brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But um So what do we notice that's in the Harmony Hut? Well, I mean oh, there's, there's the big lot. there's the big zoom in on the the Michael Jackson. <laughs> and the scream. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. He's not he's not having this Michael Jackson poster in in this room. What else is in there? The Heal the World poster. It's the, yeah, it's Heal the World. <laughs> Are there any other posters uh, of like celebrities or anything else in there? Oh, I, I just was remember. focusing on Michael Jackson. We'll have to we'll have to go back and screenshot some but of it. Is this a subtle um, jab at MJ for not following through with this supposed uh, collaboration? Oh, talk about oh, this! My <laughs> this is a mess. I mean, we had the Adam Family rap in the first movie, which I mean, I think it works. In fairness, the Adam Family rap is not exactly like it's not really high art, but I do <laughs> yeah, think that yeah. it works. Like, it won a raspberry. It was or was on, it for this movie? I don't I know. I think it was the one in this movie. The, the one in whoop, this movie is bad. Adam Samali. Yeah. And then they're doing that weird, like, Morticia and Gomez. <laughs> and, like, just listing off all the characters randomly. Well, I think the Whoop Adam's Family is, isn't that MC Hammer? I can't remember what the Adam's Family rap was. He did the first one. Yeah, it's bad. It was on SNL. No shit. Yeah. MC Hammer hosted SNL and he did that. And Christina Ricci and the boy who was Pugsley introduced him oh my gosh which also the actor who was pugsley used to frequent a karaoke bar that my friends and i would frequent a lot uh in in uh burbank slash north hollywood and it was uh it was sardo's was not um the other one jiggles or whatever (laughs) ripples but um which one does the porn star karaoke sardo's okay it was that one and this was one of the ones where you could on any given evening uh, run into Mr. Belding. Sure. Who would like legit sing karaoke. And probably Seth MacFarlane too. Well, I ran into him a couple of times then as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mr. Belding would legit sing karaoke and also um, make all of your female friends uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> sure. <laughs> Do you remember us at the... Um, at the Max restaurant? At the Max restaurant. And How could I forget? He walked in and he didn't... Like, we didn't even have to call him over the table. He just stopped by. Well, we were in Mr. Belding's Mr. office. Mr. Belding's office. So that's the room we were in, in the Max restaurant. And so he would come in nightly... Oh God! Uh, not invited. It was not part of the the situation. Oh, no, no. But because he lives in the area, would just come in, came in just for photo ops. Go into Mister Belding's office, sit at the desk, and just line of people, and just take pictures with everybody. Wow! And what, what an existence! Yes, huh? and we we're, we're dining in the office. We're not even in there to take a picture with. We're just dining with him. So as he passes us, he he stops at our table and he's he like, comments on Brad's hat. Well, our friend Brad was wearing mm-hmm. a baseball cap, and he was just like, I like your hat. I'm a hat guy. <laughs> and then kept walking. Such an extrovert. Yeah. I what a great it. conversationalist. I loved it. But yeah, so Pugsley, uh, or the actor, I, I'm forgetting his name, and I'll, I'll get to it. Sorry, dude. Um, but he would he would often uh, Jimmy Workman. Jimmy Workman. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Jimmy Workman didn't sign off his likeness on the Adams Family pinball machine. Ah, boo. Mm-hmm. Is it just like a blank... He's the only Face person where you don't potato. hear their voice. Oh, voice. Okay. Oh, well. He's doing fine. Um, is he? Is he, though? <laughs> I'm sure he is. So uh, so the Adams Family rap, we're talking, we have to talk about, uh, we were talking about the Michael Jackson song. Ghosts. Yeah, guys, this is an interesting backstory. 
<laughs> what, do, what do we know about, about this So uh, the song that was supposed to be in the movie is called Is It Scary? However, he backed out of the project. Uh, was it due to the sexual abuse allegations, or was the song just really bad and Paramount didn't like it? It's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the the song made it to a single in 1997. Sure. I think. And then they produced uh, a Michael Jackson short, short film. film. I'm not yeah. familiar with the Video. short film. I've never seen it. I yeah. listened to the single today. And I don't see how it could have worked at all. Sure. Oh, it's weird. I mean, it's it's like a... It's supposed to be like Thriller Part 2. Yeah. It's called Ghosts. Yeah. And it's... Um, <laughs> oh, it's so weird because like there's a... We're like the... Um, these people like come into his, his haunted mansion mm-hmm. um, and... You know, they're, they're saying how he's weird. He's madcap. And then they say, like, well, is he scary? And then he starts making these faces. And all of a sudden, the kids are, uh, you know, they're won over. And I'm like, no, he's, he's still terrifying. <laughs> he's still absolutely terrifying. If Michael Jackson was going to, you know, is he, do you really think I'm that scary? Like, yeah, absolutely, man. Have you seen yourself? Uh, he also does a very, like, female trouble, you know, um, Michael Jackson's clumps situation where he oh, plays. Boy multiple characters in this he plays like an angry white man older gentleman right who's kind of yeah. like yeah trying to shut this whole situation so down it's happening very in weird but remember michael has his history with angelica in captain eo sure oh yeah yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah captain eo which is also insane but yeah charming Right. I feel like that's fun. Directed least. by Francis Ford Coppola. Yes, directed by Coppola. Um, I just want to do a, a nice a nice favor for my friend Angie. She's yeah, always right. been so sweet to me. I'm going to make a little song for her. Oh, man. She is iconic in Captain EO. Like, get out of yeah. here. She's so scary in that. In this, like, alien queen kind of, like, hybrid. She, like, emerges from the wall, like, Geiger style. Well, she comes out of the ceiling. And she's, mm-hmm. like, made of, like, piping and tubes and stuff. And she... Uh, That's how I like to make an entrance, too. <laughs> she gets all glamorous from Michael's music. Yes. It he, has that effect. He, like, shoots, like, waves of love at people out of his rainbow t-shirt, as you do. You know. Um, so this song did not get uh, added to the soundtrack. Instead, we get another weird rap song. Uh, sure. I think it's by Tag Team. Yeah, I, I, th- that was a thing in because the tag team 90- did, yeah. well, There it is. Oh, and isn't oh that, yeah, sure. That's there you go. This, yeah, same fan. I was gonna yeah. say there's this weird like in early '90s movies like these jock jam kind oh, of things yes. that get yeah. folded in, and you're like, yeah, that makes no sense no. in context. But <laughs> cheers, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, they did it in the first one with MC Hammer, and so they figured they had to do it again. But it's 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 interesting to start out thinking we're gonna get Michael Jackson. Weird controversy that gets dropped. We'll get tag team. <laughs> yeah, that's a great alternative. I mean, yeah, I guess when there it is is probably a really big hit. And you know, to be fair, it was probably you know dominating the charts. Yeah, but does it age well? Not really. <laughs> not really. But it doesn't matter. That's not what this movie's remembered for. So I think we really need to dig into the Thanksgiving of it all. Yes. yes. We need to get it we need to get into Gary's vision. 
<laughs> Fucking Gary. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's start with the songs. I mean, now those <laughs> those are classics. Yeah, those are really good songs. Eat, Eat me. me. <laughs> hey, it's Thanksgiving Day. Eat me. <laughs> I was reading that the Thanksgiving play took two weeks to film. There's a lot going There's on. There's a lot, a lot going on in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of moving parts. Exactly. Um, Pugsley is a giant turkey. This costume is amazing. Um, wh- who is the character that uh, the pilgrim woman? That, oh, what's her name? Sarah plays? something. Yeah. Or... Is that a real character? Is that a real person from the first Thanksgiving? I don't know if Gary's vision is all that entirely accurate. Historically accurate. I don't believe Pocahontas <laughs> was don't an believe, invitee. I don't believe that the Chippewas were from Virginia <laughs> and went to the first Thanksgiving. I believe that the Chippewas were from, like, Canada. Okay. And, like, the upper Midwest of the United States. Okay. Yeah, much like the story we tell of Thanksgiving, um, it's pretty muddled. <laughs> sure. Kind of a mixed bag. Pretty of- watered down. <laughs> Hearsay and conjecture. Um, so where the first Thanksgiving, I would imagine, would have been somewhere along the uh, Gulf Coast, right? Uh, I Jane- mean, it was in Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. 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 I was looking up the Winnipeg tribe was at the first Thanksgiving. Yeah, who RSVP'd? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what did they bring? Was it green bean casserole? I don't think so. Candied yams. <laughs> mm-hmm. Were there marshmallows in the yams? Just a turkey. Just a turkey on a plate already already cooked. Mm. I I would imagine a uh, uh, an olden days wild turkey would probably be delicious. I mean, I've had wild turkey for Thanksgiving. It is good. Um, okay, so the historical accuracy we can uh, we can but dig it's on. it's a part of the yes. just sort of the jab that this is sort of yeah it's this American history class version of like yeah of a Thanksgiving play why are th- is is it summer camp okay now <laughs> like Gary I mean of all the things <laughs> a Thanksgiving play at summer why camp they do- <laughs> and if it's not summer camp and it is actually Thanksgiving week. Where's the snow? It did look like they shot. They probably shot this in the early spring. There's fog on this because lake. there's fully like yeah, fog the, and clouds. It the looks weather very chilly yeah. at Chippewa. Yeah, very dramatically. Doesn't look very sunny at all, though. No, but I mean that goes along with uh, Wednesday and Pugsley's, Pugsley's aesthetic. Whole at least. thing, yeah. <laughs> so you know, all the blonde Aryan kids get cast as the pilgrims. And all of our... All of the misfits are the Indians. The, the misfits and the ethnic kids no. get cast as the Indians. How about them? And uh, Wednesday gets cast as Pocahontas. Lead of the misfits. <laughs> Lead misfit as Pocahontas And we herself. fully think that Wednesday has, like, turned to the dark side. Sure. Thinking after, that she's sort of just been brainwashed by the Harmony Hut. Yes, after all of her time in the Harmony Hut, she... Um, she comes out with a crazy, like, sadistic smile. Um, is it in the Harmony Hut where we see Joel's um, trading card collection? No, of- they're they're behind. Who the, the hell is sending those to him? <laughs> they're behind Skip the. Those in they're behind the bleachers when they're casting. Amy Fisher, Gary's play. Okay, so I have a, I have a, a little bone to pick with his trading cards of. Schizo's maniacs all and serial All he's missing is Jaff the Ripper and that Zodiac guy. Yeah. But Amy Fisher, neither is she a schizo or a serial killer. 
maybe she's a maniac, but she only shot and maimed one person. Mary Jo didn't even die. We should say this is like our third time on the podcast discussing Amy Fisher. I mean, I love Amy Fisher. Well, I don't love Amy Fisher, but I'm obsessed with you the story. You love the story of I'm Amy Fisher. I, I love, let me say, I love J- Joey and Mary Jo, but if you go, I love them. They're great. I mean, they're her- horrible people, but <laughs> the whole situation is jacked up. But I have to say, Amy Fisher, not a serial killer, nor is she a schizo. But it is funny. It's a funny because it was very topical. Very. I was going to say for the time, yeah. yeah. Very topical to have. And this weird picture, these cards were like, they look like they were just kind of like. Debbie has her own card. Together. The Black Widow. The Black Widow, yeah. Yes, she does. She's holding a machine gun. <laughs> there was somebody else on there. James Earl Ray, I think, was on there. Yeah. Um, and there's a strange, very like Wednesday-esque, like the... The Adamses are particular. I mean, with the exception of I'd say like Fester, they're they're mm-hmm. a pretty calm, collected group. Yes. So like you know they ask like where are they? Like we we're we we're calling the FBI. <laughs> like this is just what they have to do. Like oh dear, their their new aunt is a serial killer. They should really let <laughs> folks know. But there's not like a sense of like energy Urgency. or like a, yeah like we've got to like oh dear this is unfortunate. Yeah. We should probably bring that up. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't think of that. Oh, uh, another. Um, I just remembered. Kind of, we we covered this already, but we were talking about the like kind of like faggy people that are like peppered throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, what I didn't even notice last night, just right over my head, the delivery room doctor that delivers pubert. Uh, David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce. Oh, how did I not notice that? And what drag queen is at the wedding? Oh, um. Charles Bush. Charles Bush. From Die, Mommy, Die. Mm-hmm. She's the one that when uh, Wednesday gets the bouquet, mm-hmm. even though she doesn't want to, there's two women behind her, and one of them looks at Wednesday. She said, bitch. Tramp. Tramp. Yeah. Charles Bush. You can tell whoever did the casting on this like had communi- like had connections to theater and, yes. had, and was, was gay. Yeah. <laughs> or gay adjacent. Yes, indeed. A fruit fly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I just I just remembered David Hyde Pierce when you were talking about like <laughs> the family's reaction to having a serial killer among them. Yeah, it just you know, like oh, I mean, I mean, it it tracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we think that Wednesday has drank the Kool Aid mm-hmm. and is just going to go along with this play. And on the day of the performance. Do none of the Adamses show up for this performance? No. It doesn't look like They're it. too busy with the Fester and Debbie drama. Yeah. To remember that they left their kids at summer camp. <laughs> well, let's take a listen to a little bit of that. Wait. What? We cannot break bread with you. Huh? Becky, what's going on? Wednesday! You have taken the land which is rightfully ours. Years from now, my people will be forced to live in mobile homes, on reservations. Your people will wear cardigans and drink highballs. We will sell our bracelets by the roadsides. You will play golf and enjoy hot hors d'oeuvres. My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stick shifts. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrims, especially Sarah Miller. Gary, she's changing the words. And for all these reasons, I've decided to scalp you and burn your village to the ground. 
amazing. <laughs> I like that Gary fully looks like he's about to tackle her. <laughs> like, I mean, Christine yeah. Bransky has to pull him back. His vision is puerile, and, you know, but. She, no, he was like, you were ruining every. Like, this was my moment. Yeah, yeah. This was my 15, my 15 minutes of fame, and yeah. you've taken it from me. Um, I, I absolutely love that. I love. Um, the about face and it's like no she's uh, she's still our girl yeah yeah that's really yeah. satisfying <laughs> and then okay i love the ambiguity of what happens afterward yeah sure because she does <laughs> like that match and they were putting gasoline they were literally roasting them like mm-hmm. i i, I think a, there were casualties <laughs> but i like that we don't know if there were yes and this is when it just sort of turns into that live action cartoon yeah that all rules of reality have been thrown out the window yeah there are some really fun things to the logic of this movie mm-hmm. like all the attempts to kill P- uh, pubert yes are yeah are um and i think they work so long as you get the tone right yeah as long they're funny it's funny and it's obviously just tongue-in-cheek and it's a yeah. live action cartoon yeah the lady baked into the cake oh mm-hmm. my god yeah there are a couple things I'm like, oh my gosh, this is bad. And then, yeah. you, but then you're like, but it works. I was thinking about that too. I was like, they fully murdered a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> the tone of it sells it. Yeah. And the performances. Yeah. But like the little baby hand, like grabbing the guillotine Grabbing blade. the guillotine, dressed up like Marie Antoinette. <laughs> yeah. And that little baby, or those twins. Hubert that- Adams, who was played by two twin girls, Caitlin Hopper and Christian Hopper. They were the cutest babies yeah. ever. With the little mustache. Very, it's a very camera With the ready little baby. mustache and the white pancake foundation is so funny i was reading that pubert was rejected name from the comics that yes. charles adams wanted yeah they said it was too provocative <laughs> it's filthy and yeah and debbie says it's filthy. i love it <laughs> at a girl um yeah i really like this shot where gary and christine baranski are on the spit and they're like turning yeah they're them. just being yeah but the way they shot that with the fire underneath them it's really a cool shot because it looks like that fire is right underneath them i actually thought about that with because i mean obviously they played with the angles of yeah, it. yeah yeah a trick of the camera but it's really well done and um how do they get away do we even know do they come to pick them up uh, uh no wednesday is just breaking out okay and then she has her goodbye with david Krumholtz, and mm-hmm. he's gonna watch the whole thing burn sure and it's one of those things too <laughs> that we are watching children in yeah. red face, but I guess since they're sticking it to the white man, we'll let it slide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were they were put into that by adults. Yes, it's not like, and it's know. almost true, one of those true. things that it's a comment of just how we perceive how stupid we Native yeah. Americans too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's like <laughs> it works. Yeah. yeah, I do. I have to say uh, when they first try to break out. And Wednesday and Pugsley are going for the fence, and he's like, tetanus. And he brings out his little, like, wire cutters oh, to cut yeah. the fence. Oh, yeah, what is, sweetie. <laughs> Wednesday and Pugsley are in full-on ninja costumes. Yes. Ninja costumes, I love, I love, love it. They're, like, their masks are revealed. <laughs> I Who could it be? was so funny. Just such a funny touch that they had these ninja costumes <laughs> that they're wearing for this breakout. That they packed. Yeah, that they, they had to pack. I love, but I just like, love we'll that find about a use them. for these. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, and their Victorian swimwear. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, yeah, those <laughs> Pugsley's little like Fred Mertz like swimming <laughs> swimming suit. Yeah, great, great use of like the of of the costume design. 
Pugsley's hair in this movie is insane. That crazy oh, fade oh, with that, those bangs. Yeah, with the bangs. <laughs> Just like it's like it's a up. shaved head, but his but there's still spiky bangs. But yeah. Yeah. Sometimes how it's lit, it looks really weird too. Yeah, when he's backlit. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very reminiscent of there's like a um a, uh, a female skinhead haircut that's called a birdie where they just shave their whole head but they leave their bangs. And it's that, but for a boy and straight up in the air. It's kind of like a punk rock thing. You two wouldn't know. Um. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so I would like to discuss the bizarre filmography of this director. Are you at all familiar with Barry... Barry Sonnenfeld? Sonnenfeld. So he started out as a DP, as a camera operator. Ooh, he DP. worked with the Coen brothers a lot. <laughs> he did Raising Arizona, Blood Simple, and Miller's Crossing. And hmm. he later shot in the 80s, Throw Mama from the Train. So he's a photographer for all these movies. Mm-hmm. When Harry Met Sally and Misery was his last photography credit. Wow. And then he was just given The Adams Family. And it was a huge hit. Yeah. And what I remember from the time... Uh, cause as, as like a teenager, I was kind of like, like you, you know, I would, wa- I would read like, um, premier magazine and, and just kind of watch all those like entertainment news magazines and stuff. And what I saw of him from the production of the first movie and this movie was that he's that kind of director that, uh, wears a suit when he's directing. Very Paul Feig. Well, um, it's very Alfred Hitchcock. Sure. Is the idea. I mean. But when you look at. So it's just a very specific kind of thing where it's like, I'm a movie director, and this is a set, and this is my set, and I'm going to wear this suit. And, um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, the go-to, like, basic-ass bitch kind of thing is like, ooh, this movie's so Tim Burton. Sure. Um, (laughs) And I get that. But uh, he goes on to direct Men in Black. Wild Wild West. But then he also has some weird, forgettable comedies. Uh, Nine Lives starring Kevin Spacey where he gets turned into the cat. RV with Cheryl Hines and Robin Williams. And uh, Big Trouble with Tim Allen. But just these very flop studio comedies. So it must be nice to be a straight, mediocre comedy director that you just keep getting... All of these movies handed to you. Well, I mean, to be fair, the two Adams Family and uh, Men in Black movies were huge moneymakers. The senile values wasn't that big of a hit. Okay, it just barely made oh, back yeah. its Isn't budget. That sad, isn't it? That like, sad? I think it did okay. Superior. Yeah, it is better than the first movie. I think it did okay. It just made back its budget, but they didn't do another follow up to it. And I just think it's weird that he didn't sort of follow values with something bigger. I mean, I guess it was Men in Black. Yeah. But, and then Black was huge. And I think that he was uh, one of the big creators for Pushing Daisies, I think. Okay, yeah. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah, and he was. And he's a producer. And I think that he did... Yeah. He produced a series of unfortunate events, both the movie and the Netflix series. Okay. The movie really looks like his work, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just kind of has this weird filmography. Yeah. And the first two, I don't remember if he did the third Men in Black, but the first two were he fine. Did. Yeah, the, they they I feel like they dip in quality with each one going to, leading up to the third one, and this last one with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson is mm. like who cares? Mm. Um, but yeah, it's like the first one was good and it was fun, but they're not like these masterpieces of comedy or sci-fi for that matter. They're kind of like 
um, just big budget kind of lowest common denominator. I don't know. Like they're a little like crowd pleasers, you know, they're not very like artful. Whereas I feel like at least with these two, it's like, there's some, there's some really good ideas and really fun. It's art direction where it was always Oscar nominated. Yeah. Oh, that so. should be. And, and the, just the attention to mm-hmm. detail. And so that kind of makes sense if you say he's the sort of fellow who's like wearing a, a suit. And, and I believe so that they got for the set decorator, uh, the guy, a guy that used to work with Kubrick a lot. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's crazy. When yeah. you hear the actors talk about actually making it, it sounds really daunting. And I'm sure that yeah. that has to do with um, sort of the style of a director mm-hmm. as well. But um I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Like, it takes two weeks to do the Thanksgiving thing because it's just so <laughs> intricate. Yeah. yeah. And then just, like, all the lighting that we were talking about with Morticia and all the makeup work. And, I mean, it's a big production with everything, you know, that got put into it. It has everything. You know, it's got yeah. special effects, practical effects, makeup effects, you know, like, everything's going on. And every scene has something that would just take way longer than your average like family yeah angelica houston and carol kane in this interview that Mm -hmm. i i read they were just complaining about like so much time was spent on set just waiting yeah oh yeah i would imagine and she probably probably, had and she probably had to stand up she probably couldn't even sit in that dress they probably got her one of those you know the old fat like Mm -hmm. the 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 boards yeah the the boards you just kind of lay back and yeah i definitely noticed on this viewing that the adams family house looks the most set bound because in the first movie, it's out in the open air, mm-hmm. and this one definitely looks like it's enclosed in a studio. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that mm-hmm. from the first shot with Fester, when he's mm-hmm. just the proportion, like he's standing up on top of the house, yeah. and just the proportions, you're like, that. that's not a, a house that people live in. It still looks great, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. movie, I think it's opened up to the air a little bit, so I it looks that, a little more yeah, lived he's in. Like out, he's out you know, on the, the uh, I don't know, balcony, which yeah. like playing golf. and I think that... I was going to say, I think they changed it up a little bit because yeah, he's when he's golfing in the first movie, he's on top of the like glass, like conservatory thing. Mm -hmm. And in this one, you can't stand on that. Like from the out, from the exterior, it's like the way the ceiling or the way the roof of that glass, um, what do you call it? Greenhouse part is it's like redesigned. I mean, they're rich and they spend a lot of time at home. True. So just being in kind of a constant <laughs> state of renovations True. of the house. Because I also feel like the in the first movie, the staircase was a little bit different. I feel like it echoed more the TV show where it did that thing where it splits off. Sure. Like the like entryway is a little more open. Yeah. Too. And in this one, it's just the staircase is just this long, steep staircase that just goes yeah. all the way up to They're like, forever. we're going to spend a, a million dollars to have the house renovated, but yeah. we want it to look like shit. Yeah. But I because also, shit is our is our thing. I also love that it's like this old wooden house, and from the inside, you can see between the slats of the wood, like the light coming through, that yes. just makes it look like this spooky old like house. Yeah, I was. That's really such cool. a nice touch mm-hmm. in every scene. Is the yeah the slats of the um... yeah from the wood. Um, there's some really cool shots too that look like um, like matte paintings. Yeah, especially yeah. when when. Wednesday and Pugsley are trying to throw the baby off of the the tower. Yeah, and there's a shot from above that it's like real, like it's a, it's like comically, yeah, extended, like extended, really yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a big visual effect thing during mm-hmm. that time. That's like a very like Dick Tracy oh, Batman yeah. kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're making it look like a camera lens situation when really they just 
yeah. to painting. Because that house must have been like 300 feet tall. If oh, all of exactly. a sudden they're yeah. gonna, he's going to fall that far. Yeah, yeah. Now they're on like the 70th floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um. All right. Do we want to talk about the climax <laughs> with Debbie? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder how she was able to get them all tied up and like. Yeah. Oh, we've got some parrots. The Pasadena parrots are out. Yeah. Listen to them, guys. Coming to serenade us. <laughs> Just like Michael did for his his buddy Angie. <laughs> these damn but You have these parrots where you live, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. They're rampant. Nuisance. They're lovely to look at. Wipe them out. But they're so loud. So, Debbie... Yeah, how do, does she drug them all? How does she get? Them? I mean, they're 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 just kind of willing participants. Yeah. Like again, there's not this sense of urgency sure. really. So they're like, oh, you want to tie us? So up? Okay. yeah, Fester gets away from Debbie because we played the clip to start the episode, mm-hmm. and Debbie tracks him down at the house with her shotgun. In laws, well, yeah. I guess she's got a shotgun. Yeah, so she's just like, sit down in this chair, or I'll like shoot your family. And they're like, so that's probably why. Yeah, Yeah. I guess. But little does Debbie know. I don't know if like physics apply to the atoms is at all because Wednesday and Pugsley electrocute themselves all the time. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder how these people die. Yeah, because it it seems like they're. And that's what's very charming about the atoms is is that. Oh, I was going to say just like the laws of physics don't really apply to them. I was going to say I think they're all just like really lucky. Sure. Because, like, all the stuff with the baby is he's, like, crawling through the house and, you know, like, bowling balls are falling all over the place and he's just, like, sliding down banisters and all these series of events happen so that he doesn't get hurt. And yeah, it's I mean, like, they're nice people. Yeah, you, you, exactly. You hope it for them. It's not supernatural and it's not that he's indestructible. It's that he's just a really lucky baby. It's like Looney Tune logic. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is with, like, you know, Gomez is just really good with the knives and he just throws them all willy-nilly but they don't hit fester at all and you know it's just it's looney tunes logic but it's just that these people are blessed you know to like not get touched. hurt yeah so it's a little it's a little mixture of all that but um yeah debbie's got her like final monologue at the end which is amazing mm-hmm. malibu barbie <laughs> my parents sharon and dave generous doting or were they all I ever wanted was a ballerina Barbie in her pretty pink tutu. My birthday. I was 10. And you know what they got me? Malibu Barbie. Malibu Barbie. The nightmare. The nerve. That's not what I wanted. That's not who I was. I was a ballerina. Graceful. Delicate. Yeah, to go. I was on fire. I love that she fully just has a slideshow. She's just yeah. like, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to show you why. She has audio visuals. <laughs> um, well, as we know in like in horror films, like before, the, uh, <laughs> when the killer is revealed, they must have like a detailed yes. PowerPoint of the, like the Rebecca Gayhart, urban legend style. <laughs> yes, oh. she has her slides ready. Oh, like in Scream Three, when you know he's he's been filming the the entire lead up to uh, yes. the reveal. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> if it, it, I mean a serial killer does have to have quite a bit of advanced planning to pull off what they're doing, and so I, I like that she knew at age seven <laughs> that that was her path. So she was like, one Delicate. day I'm really going to need this. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I have to say, Debbie, the Malibu Barbie is going to be probably worth more money than Ballerina Barbie yeah, is. Bitch. That's true. When you look up that shit online. What's what's more pricey these days, Ballerina or Malibu? Malibu Barbie. I'm wearing my <laughs> uh, my Debbie Malibu Barbie DJ Mikey Pop t-shirt yes, for the recording today. <laughs> Pictures available on Instagram or Patreon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People always get really excited to see this T-shirt too. When yeah, they, they see do. who it is. You get a lot of you get a lot of uh, uh, man on the street action with that shirt. Um, so uh, little baby Pubert saves, saves a day, a day. <laughs> when she flips that that switch of electricity. And such a brilliant <laughs> way to play the comedy of this scene that the sympathies with the Adamses are with Debbie. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just like oh Malibu Barbie. Like they Awful. do feel for. Why her. would you want that? <laughs> and I love the um, when she's like, "Did any of you really care about Debbie?" And then uh, uh, Gomez says, "Hands," and you can hear all of their hands like <laughs> trying to be raised. It's adorable. No, yeah. and, and that's the the like the great thing about them is that at any point she could have been accepted. Yeah, at <laughs> any point, like I mean, she could have just said at that moment, you know, actually, I'm just going to let you go. And they're like, "That's great, Debbie." Thank yeah. And they all could have just gone back totally. to being friends. Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely they right. They would love her even more knowing that she's that she was capable of that, yeah. That mm-hmm. she's capable of this and Talk about she was like a black widow murderess. Yep. I mean, they've got that whole like graveyard in the back of the house from the first movie where they go play Wake the Dead. Wake the Dead. <laughs> but when Debbie gets electrocuted and slowly turns to dust. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's funny, but it's also like, oh my god! Yeah, there's a yeah. <laughs> all that's left are her white pumps <laughs> and a pile of dust, which is her, what we all hope for. Yeah, yeah, true. The um, some of the shots though with like the lights and her like electrocuted hair are kind of funny. The best. <laughs> yeah, that is super Looney Tunes, like her crazy electrocuted hair. Um. But yeah, I mean, she eventually turns to dust, and um, gosh, I'm having trouble remembering how the how like they get out of the situ the situation. Like, do we just not care? They're tied again up. Looney Tune logic. Yeah. Like, who did someone yeah. uh, come and maybe Wednesday and Pugly showed up? They've been walking home from Camp Chippewa. Yeah, <laughs> and untied everybody. Oh well. Well, I mean, they already do show up. Yeah, they're there. Oh, they're, they're there. there. They're part of all this. Mm-hmm. That's right. Maybe Pubert just lets them out. Sure. Pubert just unlocks God, them. I bet that took forever, though. <laughs> Tiny baby. Just like... They're, now the right hand? Now now the right hand. Oh, man. Yeah, and that's why we didn't And see we it. end on Pubert's first birthday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about Pubert's blonde hair. Oh, oh yeah. God, that, that fucking wig on that baby. <laughs> Yikes. That baby blonde hair. Pubert was turning normal, and he he could possibly turn you know have a normal life and be a, a lawyer, a doctor, <laughs> president. <laughs> yeah, and nothing upset them more. I, I love kind of cute. I love that moment cute. with Morticia reading him the Cat in the Hat, and oh, she's just yeah, somberly so reading Doctor Seuss. <laughs> and then she turns the page, and she's just like, "Oh no, he lives." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mom of the year. <laughs> yeah. So kind of a callback to when she becomes a kindergarten teacher in the first movie. 
and she's telling the oh, Hansel and Gretel right. story. <laughs> the evil children. <laughs> Where she was burned alive. <laughs> now, kids, how do you think that felt? That felt. How do you think that felt? Uh, <laughs> she's, got, she's so maternal. Yes. Her delivery is so good, though. But, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like these actors got this material, and it's like you can kind of do anything because – and especially Angelica, that she knew never to give too much. Yeah. Like, it's a very understated performance. Yeah, for sure. Um, but just so funny and iconic. And, and you know, now it's like, now we see Morticia, Angelica Houston as Morticia included with, you know, in all of those, like, hot rod, like, t-shirts with, like, yeah. Lily Munster and They're usually Vampira. covered in, like, sleeve tattoos. Or just like a little purse shaped like a coffin or something, mm-hmm. you know, and like some like punk rock, you know, accoutrement store. Um, she's always included in all that and like all the like Tumblr art and stuff. They've just become like rockabilly icons. Yeah. Yes. Truly. All the goth kids are like, fuck yeah, Morticia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She speaks now, to me. Now, I chose to uh, skip Adam's Family Reunion. Oh, What's I never that? watched it. <laughs> What's that? It's with, right answer. It's with <laughs> Tim Curry. And who oh. plays Morticia? Oh, it's Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Ooh. Yeah. Very interesting casting. <laughs> yeah, very interesting casting. Tim Curry I understand completely. But. Yeah, Tim Curry makes sense. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, so that was made for D, made to, you know, straight to DVD. Straight to, I mean, this is the age of, I mean, that would have been the age of VHS. Tape. Yeah, I'm not sure of the year of uh, Adam Sandler. Probably like 98 or so. Yeah, so it was probably definitely on VHS. Then I believe there was a short-lived sitcom. It might have been Canadian. It might have been Canada only. Yeah. All I'm thinking is of the Munsters. Eugene Levy. Levy, Oh, my God. (laughs) The Munsters now. The Munsters today. The Munsters today. (laughs) Garmia. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, Eugene Levy would be uh, not a great uh, <laughs> Gomez. And then we've had. Did you guys catch the? Uh, gosh, it must have been like a, maybe only like a year ago now. But the the um, totally animated one. We watched it. Yeah, it was we okay. It. We rented it. it was Isn't Charlize? Yeah, Charlize was Morticia, and, and, Oscar, and Oscar, Oscar Isaac was Gomez. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and um, maybe the voices could work, but like. D- Trying to envision that had it been live action. Sure. It was fine. It's uh, The animation was cute. They did some really good stuff. They tried to match the... They matched the comics. The Charles Adams comics. Yeah. So so that worked. Um, But, I mean, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it either. The musical was pretty well received with Nathan Lane and B.B. Newworth. B.B. Newworth. The fun thing about the musical was that... uh, They aged up Wednesday. She was like a teenager. And she brings home a boyfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. Was a pregnancy scare? Oh, <laughs> was there? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. No, I just could you imagine? <laughs> that would be really funny. Um, I mean, yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of like gay icons included in the making of this movie, and then a lot of gay icons kind of sprouted out of this movie with Debbie and Morticia. Debbie has just sort of lived <laughs> this legacy in like the past ten years that she's just. Beloved by gay men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the campy performance. It's the over-the-top look. I it's like Joan. I like the trade-in Joan Cusack's two Oscar nominations for Working Girl 
and uh, in and out for a win for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great substitute. Um, but you, you know how they get about comedies. Exactly. Yeah. Which, I mm. mean, I kind of talk shit about Joan Cusack's two Oscar nominations and just how warranted I mean, were they. In and out. But I do appreciate I, I do appreciate that they did recognize a performance like In and Out that normally would have not made the cut. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I'm unfazed. Yeah. But I mean, this role's iconic. So good. Yeah. People love it. It it's lived on for a reason. It's fun to do a Google search on Tumblr for Debbie cosplay. Oh, I bet. There's a lot oh, okay. of good um yeah, Halloween costumes of this and con outfits. She's yeah. got so many great outfits throughout this. <laughs> no, really. I mean, like the silks, the, yeah. the pastels. That's a Queen Anne chandelier. <laughs> I love that delivery. Yeah. I love that. Um these are from magazines or from catalogs. <laughs> catalogs. Oh, be careful. It's a credenza. It's a credenza. These are beautiful things. Yeah. They're from catalogs. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I feel like I've said that a time or two. Yeah. And everything's white, just like juxtaposed with the Adams and everything being The so style of this dusty. mansion is very, it really puts me in the early 90s. Yes. And it's very just, lifestyles are rich and famous. Yeah. Just mm. that tacky design of the early 90s that was trying to be luxe and rich yeah. it's a little spelling manner oh, oh yeah. definitely yeah sorry tori you know it's true we have <laughs> we have 50 bedrooms yeah i'm sure there's a doll room in that house i'm sure a wrapping a paper wrapping room. room a gift wrapping we have 500 rooms um <laughs> yeah so uh, the thanksgiving element of this movie is interesting but hey it fits our it fits our theming and our timing for for the month i feel like i always revisit this movie around thanksgiving too sure it was it's released a, the, around this time yeah right? it was released like this was intentional in yeah. november yep yeah <laughs> and that makes sense because it's ultimately i mean it's it's a family movie yeah i mean it's a holiday movie you yeah. you go you uh have thanksgiving and then you go to a movie in the evening and i do remember i mean i was Gosh, maybe five when this came out, but like I do distinctly remember going with like my parents and my brother to see it in theaters. So I did not see this one in the movie theater. I did see the first one in the theater mm-hmm. with my dad and my sister, and I would have been young. Yeah, yeah, I would have been like five years old. Yeah, yeah, I would have been too young to the point that they would have had to like you know, like, all right, like <laughs> he, I wouldn't have can, been able to. Sit can you still please and... leave now without making more yeah. of a fuss? <laughs> Yeah, um, but the family values of it all, and the fact that we're all yes. supposed to, you know, come together and be thankful for our um, our tribe mm-hmm. and friendsgivings and that kind of <laughs> thing. Like, I think that's why it, it endures as a a, um, a queer film. Yeah, not and just all- because so many gays were involved with it and it, mm-hmm. it spawned so much, but um, yeah, that kind of coming together, finding your tribe of yeah. weirdos, and your chosen family. And we talked about it earlier, but just the movie the. These two movies are just sort of a comment on coming out of the 80s with Ronald Reagan and George Bush. Yeah. Really and just good sort article. of like what is the American family? Really good article in Hollywood Reporter. I think it's about two years old now. And it's uh, about sort of the sociopolitics of this movie and the George Bush era. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, obviously what you're speaking to with the family values thing, but also kind of that critique of like – uh, the 
like laissez-faire capitalism of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you've got this family who's rich but really doesn't give a shit about it. It's not an identity thing. Um, yeah. And then the commenting and the social commentary, the like the outsiders and the fact that like you do have these people who are um, – when you're at Camp Chippewa, the, the, you have the Aryans versus like the, you know, multiracial coalition yeah. <laughs> that is seen as being different. This movie's a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah, on. Coming thanks on. for having me. Did you know that you were the person who we last were in the movie theater with? The last time we saw a in movie March. in the theater yeah. in March... It was like March 10th or something? Yeah. We saw Onward, Pixar's yes. Onward opening weekend. And that was when things were getting a little weird. Yeah, like we were walking around the mall going... Mm. There weren't too many people in the theater. <laughs> yeah. And we thought that was just a... You know, had to do with the quality of the film. Um, but yeah, that was right before all this went down. And yep. I have not been in a movie theater. We have not been back yes. since. Mm-mm. Yeah, good times. And we also just don't want to drive to Orange County to go see Tenet. Yeah, it'll it'll get there. We'll see it eventually, yeah. Chris Nolan. Don't worry. <laughs> I know you wanted to save the movie. Yeah, right. Uh, Christmas Day, Tenet, I think, is coming out. Something like that. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's coming out in December on Blu-ray and 4K. So, oh yeah, the 14th or the 15th. At any rate. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank yeah, you so thank much you for so coming much. on. Good to finally have you on. Yes, indeed. Thanks. And yes, I hope indeed. that everyone had a, a lovely Thanksgiving because this is going to be going out. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, cue up Happy Turkey Day and eat me. <laughs> Do your own little dance at home. Um, stay safe. Yes, indeed. Stay safe, everybody. Please do. So you can keep listening to our show. Uh, you, we would love it if you would follow and subscribe on apple podcasts we love it if you would rate and review our show give us five stars give us five stars and write a review when you do that it helps our show get recognized and it helps more people to find us out there uh you can also look us up on patreon yeah we need to get on recording our new watch with us commentary and i just ordered the postcards Yay! And I will be sending them out because whenever you sign up for Patreon, I'm going to send you a movie postcard. Yay! Cool. So you can find us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at movies that made us gay. And you can find us on Twitter at MTMUG pod. Yes, indeed. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Peter Lasagna. And you can find Scott. Scott Youngballer on Instagram. Yes, indeed. And uh, you also have that movie thing. Letterbox, oh, look me up on Letterbox. <laughs> okay, I love how you're just so dismissive on Letterbox. You're <laughs> a little thing movie you thing, do, you know. <laughs> you know that cute little thing you, know, you have. I'm glad little, you have that. Your little app that you got. I'll get one soon enough. Uh, but thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Malibu Barbie. Yeah.